and welcome to the Pickup WNBA podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. And I'm your other host, Freddie Rivas. What's up? And this is a very special episode because today joining us is ESPN broadcaster, WNBA analyst, host of the huge fan podcast, Wake Forest University alumni, and basically the coolest person ever. It's LaChina Robinson. How are you? Oh my gosh, you are way too kind. Clumsy before cool is always me. I am like the most clumsy person ever. So that's the biggest compliment. Thank you so much. It's good to be here with you guys. Yeah, well, based on all the live TV hits you do, we we don't get to see that side. You know what I mean? You're very on it. You're definitely this is true. Very During the breaks, it. I'm like fumbling, tripping on my way to the bathroom. You guys don't have to, to see all that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, any like I don't know. I feel like a lot of um, broadcasters always have like the nicest outfits and heels, and like I cannot do heels like at all. I'd be like, please give me a pair of Jordans, like just flats, 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 because <laughs> I will make a fool out of myself otherwise. Well, the life hack now is that many of us behind the desk are wearing tennis shoes, so like mm, we yes. figured it out that you know we could put the heels in the bag. When we need them, but if not, we're probably at the desk with a pair of J's on, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the the there, there's there's always that moment in the broadcast when the cameras are swinging around and they stop before they get to the other side of the desk. Yeah, that's it. Because there's Cause lots of like, secrets back here. There's yeah. bags. There's yeah. snacks. There's you know all kinds of things behind the desk. <laughs> there's probably like fisherman friends. Oh, thro- for sure. Throat stuff. <laughs> 100 percent ricola would we just talk yes, about yeah that? yeah yeah oh so, yeah um cool well yeah i guess uh let, let's let's get it started and um yeah again th- thanks for doing this we're, we're pumped to have you and um question number one is uh you know sports fans for sure recognize you from espn and you know covering the dream uh, and we're just yeah i guess we want to start with like what what's your transition from you know an athlete to an, an- analyst been like is it something that kind of came natural or were you always thinking that you'd be an analyst? Um, no, uh, that's kind of the story or the subtitle of my life is like reluctant, whatever the next word is. I was a reluctant basketball player until I was six, four in the ninth grade. And then I was like, yeah, maybe I should give basketball a try. <laughs> um, and everyone was telling me when I was graduating from, from Wake Forest that I should give broadcasting a try. But I actually, my first career was in athletic administration, uh, after I left Wake, okay. I really wanted to get into the behind-the-scenes aspect of sport. Wanted to be an athletics director. I know, crazy girl. Um, and so my first job was actually at the ACC in Greensboro and then on to Georgia Tech. And I still live in Atlanta 20-plus years later, but my first uh, gig here was working at the at Georgia Tech and with their women's basketball program on that road to be an AD. And then around 26, I had a quarter life crisis and um, just kind of felt like I was in the wrong space. I was like, I, I feel like I want to be closer to the game. I knew I didn't want to coach, yeah. um, but I just wanted to work closer with women's basketball. And, um, you know, after a lot of soul searching and some professional development help, um, ended up pivoting into broadcasting. But um, it definitely was not anything that I had on the radar whatsoever. Was it? Was it like scary to have that kind of crisis or was it something that was like, was it more like along the lines of like an epiphany? Like you're like, no, actually I have to change what I'm doing. Oh no. It was like a full life meltdown. Like my mother who <laughs> lived in Barbados at the time was like five minutes from flying and like collecting me and going back to the islands. Um, oh it, was a, it was a complete crisis. I mean, it, I was depressed. 
Um, I was having health issues. Um, there were a myriad of things that were happening in that time. And, um, you know, figuring out that I needed a career change kind of came on the tail end of all the rest of those things. Mm. But it was just, I realized that I never really grieved my life as an athlete. I had never really figured out what my strengths were in this new place off the basketball court yeah. um, and kind of didn't have a, a vision really for, for what I wanted to do long-term um, and something that fit my, my purpose and my goals in my, in my, who I was. So um, yeah, it was, it was bad. It was a complete like crisis. <laughs> I wish epiphany sounds beautiful. It was not that. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate you giving us the honest answer, though, because I feel like, you know, it, it would be easier to say like, yeah, I had, a, had an epiphany and, you know, I had this magical moment and it, things just came easy to me. But, you know, a lot of good things in life come from these difficult moments, right? Well, and I, and I feel like as an athlete, you're never told that you can go away from the game plan, right? Like you start mm -hmm. with this idea of, okay, this is what we want to do. And as an athlete, it's like, all right, you work extremely hard to get to this goal. You're going to win a championship and that's it. The, the plans never change. In your career, no one tells you plans are going to change a lot uh, because mm -hmm. you evolve as a person. Like you experience different things. You you have varied interests mm -hmm. um, that I feel like I was at that age. Shoot, in my 20s, I was interested in something different every two years. Right. And so allowing totally. yourself to kind of get on that windy road and, and let it lead you to, to where you want to be. But it, it's scary because our parents were like, oh, you get in a career and you stay yep. there for 40 years and. You know, you just work hard every day until you retire. And um, as you can see, our generations are, are very different. So embracing that uh, was was the biggest part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something a lot of athletes go through. And I think a lot of ambitious people have this thing where like their profession is their identity. Mm -hmm. And then learning how to kind of like evolve from that or even like separate yourself from it a bit. So it's like, this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, and you know, oh my God, the other day I got asked what my hobbies were and I was like, I have like five jobs. I don't have hobbies. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. I am on a mission here, but <laughs> did you, um, did you feel that way at all when you were going through this process? Oh, for sure. Um, I, I felt, I think where the challenge was, was I didn't realize that the things that I had learned as an athlete actually translated into different places and like, the first spot I saw was in athletic administration because as an athlete, you see all these things happening behind the scenes. You're like, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. And yeah, you see broadcasting as, as well, but you don't see the skill sets that you have learned translating into these other fields. So you do become very possessive about that identity. It's like, no, I'm a, yeah. I'm a great rebounder. And, you know, whatever those things you are that you do well on the court. And so spending that time, which I was late doing it in my, you know, in 25, 26, saying, okay, who is LaChina apart from bouncing a basketball? Mm -hmm. And what does she care about? And what kind of things am, am I good at off the court? And so I kind of jumped in the first thing available. Honestly, after my last game, I had no clue what I was going to do. I ended up at the ACC because one of our academic advisors was like, hey, why don't you apply for this internship? I was like, great, sounds good. Like, you know, it was the first thing mm, to come across yeah. my plate. Um, and so that's what it was, but I actually, you know, taking that time, I tell young people all the time, like take time and think about who you are, what you are, what you want to be, what you stand for, you know, how you want your life to look, um, just being intentional. Intentional is, is really my favorite word mm. when it comes to career. Transitions. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, it's a really good point too. And I feel like, 
um, I mean, for me anyway, it's like my, my twenties was, you know, I really relate to that idea of like, there's all this pressure and you, you feel like you have to kind of like reach your goals as quickly as you can, even if you're not intentional about them. So there's sort of like this relaxation period where you can kind of, you know, figure out what it is that you want to do. Yeah. 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 And, and and as an athlete, again, I just go back to that. Like we, it, we're so 110% all the time and you have to unlearn a, a lot of the behaviors that we, and not that they weren't great in that time for, as a student athlete, but they do not work well in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I had to, I had to unlearn a lot of things. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's talk a little bit about the WNBA this season. We know we're going into this season with the two big super teams, right? We've got the yeah. aces and the Liberty, but uh, actually I want to ask you two questions about this. I want to ask you, you know, who outside of these two super teams do you think, is going to like make some noise or be like a team to talk about this season. And then I want to know between these two superpowers, who do you have? Yeah. Wow. We are so excited about the WNBA season. Um, And yeah, absolutely. The super team narrative is a part of this excitement. The two teams I would say that are really high on my radar outside of Vegas and in New York to be contending for a championship are Washington and Connecticut. Um, anytime Elena Deladon says I'm fully healthy, I'm in. Like there's yeah. a, there's no shot that that team is not going to be vying for a championship. And on top of um, just the great job that they've done in the Mystics organization of putting together a really a competitive roster. I mean, you already had Natasha Cloud and Ariel Atkins and Shakira Austin. Boy, did she have a, a quite a, a rookie season. Um, but then you add to that Brittany Sykes coming from L.A., a player who's a tremendous defender that will help them capitalize on transition opportunities. I mean, on the defensive end, when you think about Cloud, Atkins, and Brittany Sykes all on the perimeter together as all defensive players in the W., Good luck trying to score. Um, and so, you know, adding Christy Tolliver back in the mix, who, you know, coaches for the Dallas Mavericks in the offseason, won a championship with uh, D.C., uh, you know, in, in 2019, I believe it was. I'm getting old. Um, and so, you know, back in the mix there, helping even in the coaching aspect. There's just so many things I love about this team. They're, they're, they're low-key stacked. Um, and then you think about Maisha Hines-Allen and Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, um, I watched Lee Mung practice uh, when I was in D.C. a couple weeks ago, and she can shoot the heck out of the ball. So um, the Mystics are definitely there. And the other team would be the Connecticut Sun. Uh, I'm excited about what Stephanie White will do as a head coach again in this league. Uh, had great success with the Indiana Fever, um, getting that team to the finals as a head coach and was there when they won their championship as an assistant. And one thing that they did very well in Indiana uh, was, you know, they weren't always the greatest team on paper, but they just develop a culture of, of the underdog and, and they play extremely hard and they're gritty on defense. And um, I'm looking forward to Steph bringing that to an already talented Connecticut team. And some people may say, but John Quell's not there which is huge. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. But, um, you know, they, they added Tiffany Hayes and they still have Bonner, Alyssa Thomas, Brianna Jones, and front courts don't get much better than that. So um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm excited about the sun as well. 
Well, that would be fun if the the Sun and the Liberty ended up being like a low key like Eastern Conference rivalry now because yeah. of that. Like that could be really interesting yeah. as well. I know we forget that that aspect of this is with like all these players changing teams, the number of revenge games that they're going to be during the season yeah. is crazy. Like I, you know, I was talking to Stewie the other day about going back to Seattle, and she's like, "It's going to be emotional." And she's like, "I don't know if the fans are going to cheer for me or not." I hope they do, but if they don't, oh well. And I'm like, what are Whoa! we saying right wow. now? What are we saying? That's huge, actually. So, I feel yeah. I feel like that's a callback to the athlete mentality. She right. she's going in being like, you know what? Um, I'm I'm there to win. So if they don't like me anymore, then right, I'm I gonna guess. have to suck it up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's, you know, and I know you asked about you know the two the two super teams on paper, and I mm-hmm. would like to say when it comes to that super team narrative, I think Coach Tebow said it the best: games are won between the lines and mm-hmm. not on paper. So Absolutely. we can look at you know all this talent all day long, but you still have to make it work, and um, <clears throat> that's kind of how I, I feel when I'm looking at Vegas and New York. Is uh, you know. Which which coach, Sandy Brondello or Becky Hammond, can actually make it work? And mm-hmm. the one advantage I will say New York has is that Bri- Brianna Stewart and um, John Quell Jones and Courtney Vandersloot have all played together before. They played together um, in Russia for Ekaterinburg. And right. actually, that relationship is how the three of them came together in New York. Um, uh-huh. They had a little group Ooh, wow. chat that that popped up. Oh, hello. Yeah. It's all so, about the group chats. It's all about the group chat. So um, that's instant chemistry and trust, right? Uh, where I think Candace Parker is coming into a totally new group along with Alicia Clark as well. Um, so it'd just be interesting on both ends. But I do give New York a little bit of an advantage for that reason. I also give them a little bit of a new of an advantage because Sabrina Ionescu, John Quill Jones have never won a championship. And I don't think there's anything like that hunger. I think that's why it's been hard um, for anyone to repeat in the WNBA is because there's always a, a hungry team right behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of health, I feel like uh, I think it was the other day where Sabrina just said that this is her first healthy off season in a long time. So she's feeling pretty like loose and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I boy, she looks great. Um, I, I had the the pleasure of going to Eugene quite a bit when Sabrina was at Oregon and uh, Dave Pash and I seem to always get their regional in the NCAA tournament. So we were like at Kelly Graves house. And, you know, I mean, we had, we were, we were Eugene residents. Um, but I spent a lot of time with Sabrina and this is the first time I think I've seen her that happy, like Oregon happy again. And Aww. that's understandable. Um, noting all of the injuries and every off season for her has been about rehabbing. And she wasn't sure if she could be the player um, that she, that she was in college at the WNBA level. But as we saw in particular last year, she absolutely can. Um, and add to that, you know, she got engaged in the off season and she's got a signature shoe, um, yeah. which, which she joins elite company in that. So I think she's just happy on and off the court and uh, I'm sure hoping it translates well. That's exciting. Um, sorry, yeah. Freddie, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like, uh, we're also hearing a lot. It's a little bit of a side thing, but we're hearing a lot about, you know, how, awesome the facilities are for the liberty and the aces and i feel like that's kind of it, it seems to be adding to the overall vibes of those teams and you know like how professional they're being treated and yeah 
I don't think there that it's any coincidence that Vegas and New York have been able to land the talent that they've landed in free agency. Um, you know, one thing that Candace Parker noted, I think she was on Draymond Green's podcast. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Draymond, I've never had a locker like where I can yeah. leave my items and come back the next day. Like, that's crazy to think about. And, you mm-hmm. know, uh, some of these WNBA teams don't have control over some of these dynamics, but it's all, it's also quite honestly, a matter of your ownership group, right? Like um, how creative they are, the resources, uh, you know, what they're willing to invest and put in and Joe Sai and Clara Wu and uh, you know, Mark Davis are owners that not only have raised the bar and what they've done for their teams, but also they've been willing to speak publicly about what they believe WNBA players deserve. And I think that's absolutely attractive um, to players that are maybe looking for a new home. Yeah, we've been following that a lot and have been very curious about the impact of those things on the league. I uh, I also wanted to ask you about Candace Parker. I, I'm curious if you have any insight on this because I see Candace Parker very much as like a vocal leader, like even if mm-hmm. she isn't the best player on the team she's very much a vocal leader i'm Mm -hmm. curious to know like is she going into the aces with like a leadership mentality or is she kind of like taking a bit of a step back and like trying to fit into like an existing core Ooh, Catherine, that is the million dollar question Um, (laughs) you did it uh you know candace parker is uh a coach on the floor Mm-hmm. she's very vocal and I've never seen her play any other role but that uh, I do believe that it would be best suited for the aces if if there was a little bit of a scaled back version of Candace Parker for that particular team um, you know and every team dynamic is different but at the same time they do want Candace Parker because she's Candace right, mm-hmm. right. Um, but you've got Becky Hammond who's a tremendous coach you know oftentimes Candace Parker is as thrusted into that role of coach on the floor depending on who is actually coaching and what's going on and we know LA had a lot of coaches in, the, yes. in a little bit of time so you know that's that's a little bit different but um that's going to be to me one of the one of the things to watch this year is what version of Candace Parker do we get knowing that Chelsea Gray's a leader, you know, Becky Ham is a leader. When Chelsea and Candace played together before, Chelsea was listening and soaking in. She was so good at mm. that in LA, especially in those years where they had the rivalries Minnesota. She was willing to sit back and learn from Elena Beard, you know, learn from Candace, learn from, you know, that that cast. Um and now it's it's her team, right? It's 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 kind of her league. So um, you know how those dynamics come together. Asia as a leader, um, and and whose voice kind of um, is the go-to. I think will be something to watch this season for sure. Hmm. Yeah, Very it's gonna cool. be it's gonna be an interesting year. And you know, thinking about sort of all the all the chemistry stuff you're talking about, and and you know, forwarding that to the aces, like sort of you wonder if there's gonna be. I don't want to say like any clashes, but sort of like if there's going to be, if they're going to get stronger as the year goes along or, you know, what personality is going to either the team's going to kind of take on, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention AC is a coach too. (laughs) Alicia Clark is absolutely a coach on the, on the floor as well. But yeah, those are the kind of things that, um, 
you know, I, I think will play out. Everyone's going to say, cause it's, it's the cliche thing. Like as long as we're playing our best basketball, uh, you know, come playoffs. But I think those of us that sitting at home with the popcorn, we're going to be watching this process yes. yeah. <laughs> through the first, you know, few months to see how these things are, are coming together and kind of watching body language and watching mm-hmm. lineups and watching, um, you know, rotations and things like that. Cause I think it's extremely challenging to, to manage a talented team. Um, you know, we can talk about it being an embarrassment of riches, which it is for New York and Vegas in particular on paper. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it still takes management. It, it still takes the right places, right places, um, right substitutions, right times, all mm-hmm. of that. So, um, you know, the work is still cut out. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of big personalities and, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just X's and O's. And I think you see that in in all sports. And uh, I want to transition a bit here because uh, you are also a, a podcaster. Uh, you you run the huge fan podcast. It's uh, it's awesome. We've been listening to it, and um, you know you get massive guests and uh, mm-hmm. Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Yvette Nicole Brown, Flavor Flav. Uh, I just listened to the Michelle Williams episode. Um, yeah, and we wanted to ask you: Is there anything in particular you've you've learned about fandom, and you know, like any, I guess, particular insights you're surprised about? Yeah. I I mean, I think the cool thing about huge fan is that it literally brings like the common fan, like myself on the same platform as some big celebrities and musicians and um, entertainers, because they are fans just like me. Like you never think you'd have something in common with that list of people that you just named, but we actually do like, we're crazy about our teams and about our sports. So for that, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes on the podcast, like we are, we are on even ground because, you know, totally. we're going toe to toe talking about sports and it's just awesome. Um, and to see, you know, I think there's, there's this process, at least in my mind or this thought in my mind that um, celebrities, they have money. They've had all these incredible experiences. Like they're not impressed. They are impressed by what happens on the playing field, on the court, you know, Mm -hmm. in football. And and it's just cool to see them literally like drooling and knowing every stat and every player and, and canceling concerts to, to go to playoff games. And, uh, you know, you mentioned interesting things like Michael Buble has a ice rink in his basement. He's a big Canucks fan. I'm like, (laughs) well, you said that I was like, okay, this might be a little too far. But he does, you know, he wants his kids to, to grow up, like really um, appreciating it. And um, I think about another another episode that really stands out to me. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I'm just um, thinking about how much an indoor ice rink is just such a luxury. I'm also wondering about how big that basement is, too. I'm I know. Like, yeah, like that I is like, like is that is a- like a community center thing here. Like that <laughs> is like, wow. I know. I was like, okay, is this a mini rink? Is this a kid's rink? Is this like the baby pool or the big yeah. pool? Yeah, is this a um, Fisher-Price yeah. rink? Or is, there is this a like- <laughs> I know. No, I'm right there with you. Um, and then uh, I remember Ashley Judd, who, you know, was a big Kentucky Wildcats fan. Um, I always tell this story because it, it really was surprising for us, the number of celebrities that were willing to make time in their schedules to jump on. Now, granted, we started during COVID, so it's been a little harder to book post-COVID. But right. um, I remember Ashley Judd setting up. Like, I could see, you know, they were adjusting her camera and getting her sound right and all that stuff. And I'm just watching 
Um, and then I hear her coughing, you know, she's coughing quite a bit. And so she gets on and she sounds like sick. And if you go back and listen to our episode, oh, you can kind man. of tell. And I was like, oh, I was like, thank you so much for doing this. You know, and she's like, yeah, I'm a little bit under the weather. Um, she was like, but I would never miss out an opportunity to talk about my wildcats. And I was oh, like, God, amazing. <laughs> I was like, yes. And then later on, we find out from her PR people, like she had canceled all these other things, but decided to take our podcast because she wanted to talk about the Wildcat. So um, yeah, it's really been cool. That's awesome. I I also love, you know, you're talking about the, the, this idea of like fandom bringing everyone together. And, you know, I I love when you'll ask someone about like where they sit uh, or, or what they eat during the game. I feel like that's just really it's like a particular thing, but also it, you know, it brings, it brings the listener in, into the experience, right? Because everyone has their own rituals like associated with sport. So it's cool to see where folks are coming from. Yeah. Tracy Morgan goes through the same gate all the time and, you know, they just all have their same, like he's a Giants fan. They all have their, their little superstitions, but you're actually right. And, and this is what sport is, when you look at it from a macro perspective, like it's the great equalizer, right? Like sport can be played in any country at, at any time at any, you know, no matter um, even your socioeconomic background, not all yeah. sports necessarily are available to everyone, but you can play some sport. All you need is a ball in a, in a mm-hmm. group of people uh, that want to be down. And, and so in that same way, um, you know, huge fan kind of brings us all together. Uh, and, and that's what I love about sport, you know, brings people from all over um, together to, to, to enjoy what we love. This, this is sort of a, like a, just a kind of a, a quick uh, a follow-up question, but is there, is there a team that you're like a, a super fan of and always have been, or do you have multiple teams? I'm not a super fan. Uh, it's too much work now. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess you cover so many teams, right? So yeah, well, you, I mean, you cover the league and, and the dream. And... But even when I was younger, I was more a fan of players than I was of mm. teams. Like I was a huge Patrick Ewing fan. And a lot of that was my dad's influence. Like he loved Patrick. I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. So like the Georgetown mystique was always there, mm. even though I was nice. closer to the Allen Iverson era than I was, um, you know, to, to Patrick Ewing. But I mean, I think I have every Patrick Ewing jersey he's ever played in. He actually has a Supersonics jersey, which a lot of people don't realize he paid for wow. the Sonics for a minute. Um, his USA Basketball, like I've got every, and shout out to our serious XM crew. They actually um, they actually uh, gifted me one Christmas a, a Patrick Ewing jersey. So um, other than that, I, I probably am more fan of players than I am actual teams. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, I uh, I'm a huge Janet Jackson fan, Ooh. and like I like I've I'm meeting her. I paid for a meet and greet. I've like oh. met some of my closest friends in my life through being a Janet Jackson fan. Oh it's actually so wild. I am bummed that I missed Janet in Atlanta. She was just here. I am so out of the know. and they I rescheduled it because of the playoffs, the NBA playoffs. Yeah, so it was like the next oh, day, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought t- I think Tatum. Apologize. Yeah, we or, got a lot of sorry yeah. Miss Jackson memes. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, she um she's one of my favorites too, but I feel like I need to get on whatever list serve this is when the concerts come to town because I am always out of the know. But I love Janet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I got awesome. my 
I got my friends to uh, keep me locked in. But, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, like Freddie and I are super fans of basketball. That's how we got uh, into podcasting. Nice. And, uh, you know, we we're having a WNBA game in Toronto for the first time this weekend. We're very excited. We're both going. Freddie and I got media passes. So we're very nice. excited about we're that. We're, we're so jacked. Like, this is like a huge moment for us. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, you know, in terms of like NBA expansion, this feels like an expansion experiment type of thing. Do you feel like it's possible? Do you have a flight book to Toronto? Um, where are you shocked. at with that? <laughs> I actually was on a, a call with Kathy Engelbert last week. And I was like, Kathy, if anyone from your team gets sick. I'm your girl uh, <laughs> because I don't have a ticket or a seat. I wish I am bummed that I'm going to miss it. But yeah, I think it's absolutely an experiment. And I, and I may have mentioned that to, to Kathy on, on in the interview I was doing. It's like, I'm sure you'll be watching the numbers and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. getting a feel for how this goes. Um, but we absolutely need expansion. I, I am one of those, however, that believes that we need to add more spots to the roster, like first. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that's the most pressing issue when it comes to expansion, if you will. Um, I just believe that there's so many really good players that are right there on the brink and end up getting waived. And if there was a development opportunity for them, then there's no WNBA, you know, G League, if you will. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, like, how are we developing players and getting them ready for the next level? Um, because one thing I always say is that college basketball and WNBA are almost like two different sports. Like, you are playing with the best 143 women in the world, you know, if you end up being in the number. And these are women that have vast international experience. Some of them are 30-year-olds. We got 35-year-olds. Mm -hmm. We got 40-year-olds, Diana mm -hmm. Taurasi. So, mm -hmm. the, you know, your ability to come into this league and have an impact right away is, is, is really tough. I mean, there's special players like uh, Asia Wilson or Brianna Stewart that can come in and really be elite early. Um, you think about the transition of a, of a Kelsey Plum or a Jackie Young or mm -hmm. even Sabrina, which I know was a little bit more health, but yeah, like we need more spots, but I I'm all for expansion. I mean, the first game I ever attended in, in the WNBA, I was, I was, it was the first year I was with my AU team and I went to a Charlotte sting game. I loved the sting. Like that was my team. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to going to college at Wake Forest because I was right down the street from Charlotte, you know, then the team folds and it's just like, mm. we need more than one team in the Southeast. Like this is the, I know we're supposed to be talking about Canada, but <laughs> no, no, we don't have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. no, no, I know. I totally took this expansion, my, like my number one expansion team. I took, I, I'm, I'm waving the flag for them right now. But um, yeah, like there needs, needs to be more than one team in the Southeast. There's only Atlanta right now. Mm -hmm. um, but we could see a team anywhere in the Bay, in Philly, in Canada. I mean, there's so many in Portland, so many great places that uh, would help us to really grow the WNBA if we added geographically. And also places that have, you know, like you, you said, the sting, like other places that have lost their teams. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's weird for me, you know, sort of like as I'm, I'm learning about like the the early legends of, of the league and like the Houston Comets. Yeah. The right? Houston yeah. seeing that they won four championships in a row and then are yep. not in the league is like, it's tough to compute or, 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 or the shock, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's, I know. It's and most of those odd. teams, most of those teams, Freddie, we found out like we did a, I did a documentary a few years ago with um, Turner 
a lot of those teams actually folded within a few years of winning championships, like Sacramento and Houston, for example, like did not last very long after winning. You would think that that would bring people and bring excitement and bring money and bring partnerships, but that actually wasn't the case. Um, And every market is different, but that was just something that really was kind of mind blowing for me. Was there sort of like an opposite effect or like it it was winning a championship, like, like almost kind of like a curse or was it just sort of separate for these teams? It seemed as though it was, but I I would, I I would venture to believe that um, the teams probably weren't in good condition, even when they won. Um, So not necessarily that there was some kind of downturn, but just that was like, Oh my gosh. But now we've won a championship, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so maybe we could stay afloat a few more years. But yeah, it's just kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, I think Toronto is helped by winning a, an NBA championship. And there's a lot of momentum with that uh, in terms of like the fandom growing. Because this was, you know, quote unquote, like hockey country for a long time, even though Freddie and I have been day one Raptors fans, but yeah, you know, we're so we're starting to see a lot of there are a lot more basketball fans, a lot of people just kind of like I always joke that there's always people with orange hoodies being like, When are we getting a WNBA team? But like they haven't watched a game, ah! you know, like there's a lot of that type of fan here, but yeah. they're just sort of waiting for it to become convenient. And I think like the Raptors and the Leafs have the same owners and then they also have like a, a soccer team and a lacrosse team. So I feel like there's these bigger companies where like the WNBA team could fit under a larger ownership umbrella. Yes. Does that make sense? And so I don't know if like the earlier teams like had that or not, but I think like infrastructure is a big thing to look into. Like I think like Oakland is looking at having a team after like all the success with the Warriors and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, even when you think about the two teams we just talked about that that folded post championship. Excuse me. Um Sacramento Monarchs, you know, I don't know what mm-hmm. the the Kings following was like then. They're good now, but their fan base has been up and down or you know, the mm-hmm. Houston Rockets which you know, home to the Comets, you know, they had the Elijah Wan days and then kind of been downhill from there, you know, I mean, except for a couple of good runs with James Harden and the crew, but yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I, I also think there's such a strong connection with the WNBA and a lot of Canadian women's basketball players. I mm-hmm. mean, we've, there's several of them on rosters littered across the league and um, you know, Oftentimes they've watched them grow up in Canada and play, whether it's a Natalie Achanwa or, you know, I, I know recently it was, um, who's my girl from South Carolina? Uh, Leticia? Leticia mm-hmm. Mihir? Oh, yeah. She got drafted uh, eighth overall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah she's so, from Mississauga, right, right near us. Yeah. So there is, um, you know, there's, there's Canadian players that now, you know, Canada fan, basketball fans are like, okay, where are they playing now? Oh, they're playing in this WNBA. Well, we have as many, we have enough Canadian players in the WNBA to start our own team. You know, yeah, like definitely. that would never yes. actually happen, but literally <laughs> you could fill out a roster of Canadian players and, and have a team in Toronto. So I, I, that's a part of it too, is just the cross pollination, if you will, from countries like Canada. We've seen it happen in Australia. Um, not that we could have a WNBA team there, but they've sent mm-hmm. you know tons of players that have grown the WNBA game there simply by sending their players, um, their players that choose to play here. So um, that's an interesting dynamic as well. 
Yeah, because uh, Kia Nurse is another Canadian mm -hmm. player, and yep. she Kia does Nurse. a lot of broadcasting here as yes. well. Like she does a lot of Toronto Raptors broadcasting. So I feel like that's also like been yeah. very good for like visibility for other basketball fans as well. Yeah. Yes. And you guys also have a Canadian broadcaster, Megan McPeak, who covers yeah. the Washington Mystics. We love Megan. Yeah, she she's awesome. She's actually the uh, the the Raptors last year, or the or the broadcast sort of uh, introduced this like it was an all female broadcast. Yes, um, and she called the game. Yes, I remember that. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah, we could have more than one day if there's any uh, Raptors <laughs> yeah. people listening. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we'll take another one. Yeah, <laughs> I also nice. I also feel like you really tapped into the Canadian psyche, but we do think like that. Like, hey, we have enough Canadians. Like, maybe we could have a team where all Canadians play. Like we're, yes. we're always looking for that American approval. Like it's a big part of, it's a big part of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I think uh, I, I always ask like a, a Freddie's fun question, which is like a question on the sillier side. And um, yeah, I recently saw your amazing question with Stewie uh, and you, you were getting her to break down uh those the those, emoji like, tweets the emoji tweets the series we finally of got some answers i don't even know if those were the answers i really wanted but <laughs> yes they were we got, so good we got something i mean i think where it got crazy was first she started out the conversation was like and was like okay first i accidentally put the equal sign in the middle i was like <laughs> okay one yeah. one one yeah. misplaced emoji throws the whole thing off, right? Yeah. And then mm -hmm. she gets around to I think the where she lost me the second time was like she had she had everything together really yeah. almost up into that e that equal sign, and then it was like and someone once said that I was like an al pull like trying to convince <laughs> yeah. me of something is like pulling an alligator's tooth. So there's the alligator. <laughs> Yeah. yeah i was like yeah. what are you kidding me and then yeah. she, it got worse because she ended yeah, up what being... was the construction crane again exactly yeah she, yeah, she, she didn't even us. know she was like what is that right and i was like oh no you didn't just ask us she was like isn't that a construction i was like you're asking us and then it was like shout out to my dog i'm a virgo I mean, it went completely off the rails. It had nothing to do with free agency. It was just, but you know, we wanted answers, so that's what we got. Mm -hmm. And that's that's fun when you know there's that atmosphere around a star where you know there like obviously it was a massive summer. Um, yes. You know, she stayed with Seattle. Uh, it was a uh, Sue's last year, and then you know it was it was a it was a big thing. I remember being on Twitter. I was, I was one of those people trying to decode. We talked about it on the podcast. Me and Catherine were trying to decode the emojis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what we came up with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we I, did attempt to. Yeah. It, it certainly wasn't an alligator tooth. Um, oh. but yeah, I, I don't know what we would have said for that, but I was like, you know what? Stewie? I thought it was more like she was a predator and she's looking for the money or something, you know? Yeah. Like on the hunt. Yeah. On the hunt. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like something yeah. like that, but no, not at wasn't all. it at all, <laughs> but it was well, fun yeah. though. It was fun. All of us were, yeah, we were anticipating those, the release of those, uh, those tweets all during the, the free agency period. So it was fun. Well, we, we wanted to ask you if you were, you know, if uh, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but if, if you had to do your own like tweet, 
with emojis. It obviously doesn't have to be that long, but you know, what would your sort of main emojis be? Let's see. It would be something like she is the bomb emoji. She's the bomb. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good start. Fire. Love the fire emoji. Yeah. Um, Love the nerd emoji with the glasses. She's smart too, you know, mm-hmm, a little nerdy. Mm-hmm. Um, but she can also be, might put a poop emoji in there full of, you know what? <laughs> um, a pain in the, oh, they don't have that. Um, you can use a peach. Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, nice. We can, we, we pain can get creative. In the, pain in the peach. Um, and probably a heart in a basketball. And she loves basketball. Aw. So that's actually crazy. pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Nothing crazy. There, yeah. there, there could be like a camera and a mic. There could be. There could be. Yeah. Yeah. There could be. I I, I felt like that might be a little corny though. Well, yeah, it's sure. not. It's, oh, it's not cryptic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like it has right. to be all the things that you think you know about me, but but probably not. But you know yeah. what I mean. Except for the heart of the basketball, like the rest of that. Oh yeah, they could probably figure that out. Yeah. I need I need Stewie help. Stewie's help. Can you can you even imagine that? Like enlisting her to help me? Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. There's It'll just like good. random arrows or something in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she's like, "Oh, I forgot I put that in there." Um, I should have asked her that. What emoji would you give me? See what she said. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, if you if you if you get a, a follow up with her, yeah, feel free. Yeah, just be asking. like, fans are still puzzled, and yeah, yeah no. Yeah, we, uh, need, we need a part two. She'd probably want to know your sign. Oh, that part. yeah. That'd yeah. be pretty easy. I'm a Scorpio. But I'm going to tell her, you know, the pickup podcast, they want to know, you know, what's my emoji? Come on, come up with something. Yeah, we we need to know. It's 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 a high priority for her. Like, yes. I'm sure she's, you know, getting like, acclimatized right to her now. new team. But yeah, she's like, yeah. let's solve this on the pickup. Yeah. Um, Freddie, do you have a, a list of emojis for yourself? Uh, I don't, I don't know if I have. Yeah. Like, I feel like my, mine would probably be corny, but yeah. So something like, um, something like a, a, a basketball, um, maybe like a laughing emoji since I love comedy. Hmm. Um, maybe a, some, some type of like nature emoji since I like going on hikes and stuff. And then you're also a bird watcher. I'm also a bird watcher. I throw a couple birds okay. in there. You found time for hobbies, unlike myself. I yeah, I have a hobby. I like to take pictures. I could put a little camera in Ooh, there. Oh, there we go. A, I bought a Nikon. I like to go out in nature and take some random photos. And yeah, right. Yeah, nice. fun. What What about you, Catherine? Is there like a an emoji tweet for you? I feel like I really like resonate with the dancing lady, the salsa dancing lady, because nice. she just has like black wavy hair and it just flows, and she's just like in her element. You she know what I mean? Is. So I just feel like I'd have a few, maybe like more than one of those going. And then um, I don't know what else. Like, like there's like a weird like fairy emoji because like I I'm obsessed with Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's like the only video game I play, but I've played it a lot. And hmm. then that feels like <laughs> that feels like a thing. And then I mean, I'm also like a like my day job is like I'm a screenwriter. I like I'm a full time screenwriter. And so it's something that is like writing related because that's just such a huge passion of mine and that's like you know that's something i just have 
dedicated so much of my life to probably basketball as well because it's obvious um yeah i think those would be my emojis but definitely the dancing lady i need that wavy hair there's like there is an emoji with like like a curly hair girl emoji but i don't know i feel like it doesn't get used enough i like the dancing i feel like almost she's she's a little comp so confident i feel like her back is kind of towards us i don't know i can't remember exactly her positioning but she's kind of sideways yeah yeah she's kind of like forget y'all i'm over here doing something else (laughs) yeah she's got her own swag yeah yeah absolutely I'm also a fan of the chef's kiss emoji. So I'd probably throw Oh, that that's a good one. I, I don't really I don't even know one. what that's talking about, but I just feel like it, it's like a that's just a, a fun emoji, you know? And you know what? I need to really go back through the emojis because I don't um I don't know that they've been sliding some newbies in on me and I don't know that I have yeah, to find define them true. for myself. That's I need true. to do that. Yeah. One last one I would do is just the 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 hit, the nails getting done. You know what oh, I mean? Me too. Just, yeah, yeah. I like that one too. Yeah, I like uh, nails. Yeah. Well, Lachina, that has been our interview. Thank you so, so much for joining us. This has been a real pleasure of ours. Um, we're such a huge fan of yours and your work and you know, continuing to see like all the fun things you're doing. Um, for mm-hmm. all our listeners, let us know, you know, tell us. Uh, about your podcast, about any other projects you have coming up, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me at LaChina Robinson on Twitter and Instagram, always talking about WNBA, at least this time of the year. Uh, I do have um, the huge fan podcast, so you can subscribe anywhere where you listen to your podcast. I also have a WNBA show called Around the Rim on YouTube with uh, Tarika Foster Brasby, so you can go to the ESPN YouTube page and follow us there. Um, and I guess the the biggest ask this season is going to be that we're we're launching um, countdown shows during the regular season for WNBA. We have ten shows, so just really excited to expand the conversation around some of these players and and give fans some um, in-depth conversation, some analysis, some debate, but also um, bringing some cultural uh, aspect into who we know these players to be music, fashion, um, you know, what they enjoy to do, what they enjoy doing entertainment, things like that. So it's going to give us a lot of um, like insight into, you know, the lives of WNBA players, um, but also just good basketball conversation. So you guys should watch on ESPN channels. Everybody check it out. And again, yeah, let, let me just, uh, on behalf of both of us, uh, thank you so much. This, this was awesome. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. And I, I look forward to checking out your podcast during WNBA season. I'm hoping I'm getting some good conversation. Ooh, yes, oh, yes, yeah. you definitely will. We keep it silly and serious and, you know, everything in between. Uh, thank you again. Thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning into this episode. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.